0: Hey everyone, welcome back or welcome to an all new episode of the 20% podcast. This is the show that brings you tips and tricks from industry professionals across all industries that you could implement in your current job today. I'm your host, Tyler Meckes, and this is episode 181 of the show. Now I want to have a confession here. There is a number one cardinal sin for podcast hosts, and that is keeping up with producing content, but not promoting it enough. I realized that over the past six months of starting at Impulse Creative, um, I was really focused on ramping in my role and not so much on posting and promoting the content that I was producing for the 20% podcast, which I am absolutely okay with that. But now I want to make sure that I am sharing some of my favorite moments from the episodes. And uh, I am going to start this week. I'll be sharing my favorite moments from the second half of 2023. Now, first on today's episode, let's hear from my
1: friend, Mike Simmons. three. I would look at the customer journey similar to the game of life. So if you're not familiar with the game of life, go do a search, look at the board game, game of life. You'll see the game of life. The board just kind of meanders around. You never go backward. You just meander around. You go from the beginning to the end and you pick up things all the way along. That's what your customer will see. When you're thinking about the process from a forecasting perspective, we've all been there. We've seen deals go backward. We've seen deals accelerate forward. Think of it in the context of shoots and ladders. Yep. So you should have a shoots and ladders view of what your process is. The stages are that support forecasting. And then when you get to the looking at your own approach, pull out a monopoly board, you're just going to go around that same square as many times as you need to, in order to win the game, your approach as a sales rep will look more like each of the four corners of a monopoly board. So When you go through it, don't overcomplicate it. Draw it out. Don't put a lot of notes. It doesn't have to have 8,000 steps. Just draw out and just kind of say, all right, what does this look like? With the customer, begin with the end. Work backward from success. With the sales process, think of the stages that shoot you up a ladder or bring you down a slide and how those starts to change. And when it comes to your approach, think about the things that you do on a daily basis, wash, rinse, repeat with every interaction that you have with customers. And that's going to be a bit more like Monopoly. All
0: right, next up, let's hear from Rob Zambito. Uh,
2: I think you're calling out an important uh, point where if I read between the lines of what you just said, I mean, there is, in particular in startups, there's an imperative to figure out a common language between Product, sales, customer success—that conveys priority. So, for example, one of my colleagues yesterday, um, she was mentioning that on her team in their company, they have a term they use. It's cost of delay. So, what is the cost of delaying this feature? And it can be a one to ten scale of which you know is going to be subjective, right? It's going and people are going to inflate their scores because that's just what people do. Of course, right? this is
0: a ten out of ten. We needed this yesterday.
2: Yeah, right? everyone's gonna you know. But there are internal checks and balances to sort of uh, correct against that. And there's a lot of deep analysis and you know, cross-examination, so to speak, of, <laughs> of why something is a 10 out of 10. Um, but I think that the fact that she and her company have found a way to build a common language and a common metric, which even if it's partially subjective, it's better than nothing across all departments. Um, I thought that was like a really cool uh approach that i hadn't heard before until yesterday
0: and let's face it everybody's going to be subjective because they want to have their own gains over something else but yeah. as long as it but but there is a happy balance there as well right um, I, yeah i'm just a, i'm a true believer that and i think the other main bow before we jump back into your college and all of that stuff as well is um is that we need to be well-rounded and and be able to communicate with cross functionally and understand what's going on across the business. Because as I said before, marketing testimonials, referrals, Um, sales, we could have a nice smooth handoff. I'm a true believer that customer success needs to, or should be coming in towards the end of a a Mm pre-sales motion so that it's a nice smooth handoff back to uh, that's probably in your 11 step process as well. (laughs) All right. Third on today's list is Amelia Taylor
3: had one sister and we are opposite in every way shape and form everything is opposite about us um and it it's cool to see how opposites really can kind of help each other grow too because we weren't competing against each other and things she was cheering for me like when I was doing sports like she'd be the on the you know cheering and I'd be playing the sport and um growing up I had both my parents were amazing absolutely amazing but Life hit and mom got breast cancer and at a young age, and it was eight years that she had it, passed away when I was 15. And that doesn't hit well at 15. That doesn't hit well at any age, right? So for me, it was a, what What the hell just happened? Like, what is going on in my life? Like, what am I supposed to do? So my sister and I, we handle things totally opposite with that. So the opposite thing kind of really met back in. We handled how the loss of our mother impacted us in two separate ways, completely. And same for my dad. I mean, he just worked himself like crazy. Like he was just a workhorse. Like go 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 go. For me, it was. I mean, I'm either going to probably go rogue and go wild, or I thankfully had a basketball coach in high school who's my mentor to this day, which is really cool. Awesome. Um, he. I mean, he sat me down. He's like, you know what? Because he knew me and said not I me. Mean, he got to know Amelia from who I am and knew that like, hey, I'm competitive as can be, but like, and I like to win, I, you know, but I also will outwork anybody because that's who, I think it's, you see that too. And I saw that in my mother, it was like, I'm strong and I'm, you know, this is the foundational aspect of who I am. Um, And so knowing that he had to push me To In order to not go haywire and go rogue and go wild and jump off the deep end with being like, okay, well, you know, to hell with it all, I don't know what happened in my life, but like, this is not the way things were supposed to go to being like, okay, let's focus our energy somewhere else. And let's pour into the sport that's going to, that you have a passion for, like, let's pour into where your passion is at opposed to anything else that you could be doing. That's going to be negatively impacting your whole entire future. Because your future is, anything you do, I mean, think about it, like daily, it's going to impact your future. Like in some way, shape, or form, your future is in tomorrow, the next day, or your future five, 10 years from now. So, you know, future being later today too. So he would make me go to the gym. I mean, literally make me go to the gym like 5 a.m. Every morning, we would run, I would shoot. I mean, there was a regiment, there was like a whole, this is what we're doing. And he would, I mean, it would be around lunchtime, like he would come in to the school, like he would have lunch with me, We would chat, he would just pour into me. I mean, because <clears throat> I didn't know till later on in life, he went through pretty much the same thing. He lost his mom around the same age and he never shared that with me, which was the interesting thing. Heart. And I, I always thought like, why would you not share that with me? But it's because he didn't want me to think like, oh, I'm giving pity on you. You know, I'm pouring this pity on you and I'm, I'm taking pity on you or I feel bad. No, it was like, no, I know what you're going through and I actually am going to help you because I was the guy who went rogue opposed to right. uh, having someone pour into me. So that shaped me in so many ways. I mean, if I called him right now, like, he'd be like, what are you doing? What's today like? What are you going to accomplish? What are, what are our goals today? You know? and it's cool just to have that. Or if I'm like, today is the worst, like, Hey, let's talk about it. What's the worst and getting down to that. So find your, find your one person, find somebody who's going to be able to like help you. And that's the takeaway, I guess, from this.
0: Next, we have the man himself, Mr. Drew Rucker. Yeah. One, one that
4: I think of that was a game changer for me. And I don't know that I've talked about this on a podcast before, but you know, this, this is the reality, I guess, of life, but you know, my, my college experience was my first time away from home. And I think I was still trying to figure out, you know, a lot about myself in In high school, especially in the first couple of years, I was very quiet. Um, then, you know, by the time I was a junior and senior, I was really coming out of my shell. And, you know, when I went away to college, I was, I was having a blast. I was, I was I totally went full scale extrovert, meeting everybody I could, doing things I would never even think about doing today, like to go out of my way to meet people and build relationships. And it paid off. Like I formed a lot of, I formed a lot of friends, a lot of groups at that time. And what happened was I joined a fraternity. I did a lot, but what I wasn't doing was going to class all the time, you know? And so my grades suffered quite a bit and I'll never forget because that first year went by, and it was painful. I I think I pulled like a one seven, and my parents are like, "Yeah, we're not sending you to school to to pull a one seven, so you're gonna come home." And I just remember kicking and screaming, you know, so to speak, and yeah, you know, just like this, this isn't gonna be good. And I basically went to community college, like in my hometown, for one semester. It, that period of time was unknown, but it was like, "Hey, look, if you can show us that you can." you know, put everything together, we'll talk. And so that semester, it was a tough semester for me, but like I ended up, I think like pulling like a three, four, three, five, you know, my parents took that seriously and they, they allowed me to, to basically go back. And that was a huge lesson for me, you know, like just, I wanted to do everything and anything. And I think just having everything ripped away without certainty and like seeing all those friendships, all those things that I had built and discovered and learned, taken, and seeing then seeing people that you went to like high school with or whatever, and they they never had the opportunity to leave. And you're just like, yeah, I just I just messed that up. And so I'll never forget I think that had a a, a lasting impression on me from a student and a job perspective of like, look, nothing's given. You have to earn it. Um if you are gonna Skip class, so to speak, like you need, you need to do it wisely, right? like of of course, depending on the teacher, maybe you don't need to be at every class. But to miss classes for weeks at end, right, and expect to be fine, that isn't that isn't logical. So there were a lot of hard times during those college years, but i I wouldn't trade it because it ultimately
0: made me more mature by the time that I got out. It's so interesting. And you look back on, and thank you for sharing that as well. Um, it, it It's so interesting when you look back on, on certain situations, when you think like, Oh, when you are kicking and screaming to your parents, it's like, you probably thought there's no way they're actually going to go through with this. And there's no way. I Yeah. yeah there was still like that thing you're holding on to. It's like, yeah. But. but, but looking back on it, I mean, like that was a huge, I mean, like you learned so much. Cause it, like then it's just like, all right, let's play out what it would have been like if you went back and you did and you still continue to do the things you were doing. And then who knows if you continue, if you finish school, it's right. It's like taking that little one step back to take so many steps forward. And finally, let's hear from Mr. Jay Nathan to finish today's episode. My parents were entrepreneurs.
5: They owned their own, uh, they had their own businesses. And I worked in those businesses, mostly retail um, and learned a lot about what it means to interact with customers and um, count money and you know deliver a quality product through those experiences. That started when I was very very young, um, so technically that was my first job. I, I stood behind the cash register and rung people up in my parents' store, and got you know got their food, got got their treats, and and you know hopefully made them all very happy. Um, so. I always had that customer service customer experience kind of mindset growing up and, and that my you know my mom was very, she was always focused on quality, the quality of what she was selling, and that's sort of ingrained in in me and um, in the kind of things that I think I stand for now. Um, but you know, growing up, I had once I sort of sort of got sick of maybe working in my parents' businesses, I had all kinds of jobs. I was a lifeguard. I worked at a skating rink where, you know, you were one of those referees that wear the jerseys and you have the whistle. And I was like all powerful at the skating rink. That was a fun job. Um, let's see, what else did I do? I worked in restaurants. I waited tables. Actually, uh, one of my first restaurant jobs, I worked in a restaurant in our mall in High Point, North Carolina. And um, I started out busting tables, but then I saw all these kitchen jobs and I was like, well, that, that all looks really interesting. So I volunteered to start in the dish pit and I learned that and got really good at washing all the dishes pretty much the most lowly position you could have in a restaurant and then I they moved me onto the line and I got to work the fryers and then I got to make the salads and then I got to work the saute and make the steaks and ultimately I was I mean I was 16 17 years old and I worked my way all the way up in that kitchen to where I was running what we called the window or like basically the guy who was making sure that all the pieces of the meals came together at the same time. And that was, I guess it's it's sort of just reflective of the way that I've always treated everything that I've done, whether it's, you know, semi-professional kind of jobs growing up or my career. And it's, I've always wanted to learn new things and wanted to, to figure out how the business worked and how the operations worked so I could, you know, take on more and more and be more and more valuable too whoever I was working for.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If there are any guests that you would like to hear me interview on the show next, please send me a note on LinkedIn. I would be more than happy um, to take them in. Thank you so much and hope you have a great rest of your day.